Well, good morning. Welcome. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. We started a new series last week titled, What Makes You Happy? And if you missed it or want to hear it again, it's on our website. Uh, the audio is. And um, we're going to talk about this topic for a few weeks. That's what we do and before we move on to something else. <clears throat> Somebody asked me this morning how I was doing. And uh, I usually ask other people, and many people ask me for some strange reason. But anyway... Um, I have to think about it. So I don't know how you're doing this morning. Hopefully well. I appreciated the break in the weather, for one thing. Uh, but this is kind of a strange week for us. Uh, most of you know we have a care home, and uh, our, my brother-in-law and his wife run it for us. But we, they get, we get, we're generous. We give them a week's vacation a year. Isn't that generous of us? But anyway, they're on vacation. That means that we have to do all the work. So my wife is sleeping there, and I'm sleeping at home, and... We take turns going there and so forth. So it's a kind of crazy week for us, but it's good. It's good. So we're glad that you're here. Um, we asked a question last week, and if you were here, you're supposed to know the answer. So here's the question. What makes you happy? What's the answer? No thing. No thing. I, somebody over here knows it. That wasn't a very good response. That's a little, not good for my uh, self-esteem that you, more people remembered last week. So what makes you happy? Nothing. No thing. All right. What we said was, happiness is more about a who than a what. Think about um, your happiest times. Think back to your history when, we, when you were the happiest. Most of those times are connected with other people. Like for me, you know, when I got married and, and when my kids were born, my grandkids were born, uh, you know, vacations and other things. Uh, they're with other people. Rarely, I mean, we do some things by ourselves, but... Usually, we're connected with people. Uh, another way of saying it, if you're a Dr. Seuss fan, is happiness is always associated with a who or two. All right? That helps you to remember it. <clears throat> now, I didn't, I partially grew up in church. Started going to church when I was about 13. So, some of you grew up in church. But if you've been part of a church for a while, you kind of get this sense or this idea. In fact, you may even heard some preachers say something like this. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. And you get this idea, I, 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 make, I have to make a choice, right? I either have to be happy or have to be holy. If I want to be really godly or religious or whatever, I'm not going to be happy. It's kind of something I have to sacrifice for this over here. Um, so happiness and holiness are kind of like opposites. And so it's kind of a, you know, which am I going to choose? Um, if you grew up in church, you might have known a song went something like this. If you're happy and you know it, what it has to go. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. If, you, and if you're happy and you know it, say all three, right? All right, but really what it seemed to be being taught is if you're happy and you know it, repent because you must be doing something wrong, right? And <laughs> it's something you got to stop doing. Something you have to confess, because happiness and holiness, are, they're opposites. Well, another reason we kind of think that is because often the most religious people seem to be the least happy people, unfortunately, right? Um, so, God says he wants us to be happy, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, another word he uses is the word blessed. Now, the word blessed actually means fortunate or happy. Um, 
And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that talks about being blessed. Uh, it's a Greek word. We, I didn't put the Greek word up on there. <laughs> but it, that means. So when you're happy, you feel blessed. Or when you're blessed, you feel happy, right? Or, or fortunate. And so as we go through this passage, you can, we can interchange those words. Now we're going to look at something um, Matthew wrote. Lost my notes here. Um, Matthew was a Jesus follower, and he hung out with Jesus, so he actually heard this stuff uh, firsthand. <clears throat> and uh, we can trust what he said, and it's probably not the first time Jesus said these things, but uh, he said it other times. Um, so it's sometimes a struggle to think, is it yes or no? Does God want me to be happy or not? And some of you, maybe many of you, at one point in life, you walked away from church. You walked away from, probably as a teenager, you walked away from being, following God because happiness and God seem to be opposites. Um, but actually, we can be better, we can be happier because God created us. He knows how, how to wire us. And so he knows best, actually knows better than we do, how to make us happy. <clears throat> So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, something Matthew wrote. It's in, uh, it, called a Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we look at this quite often. It's three chapters in Jesus' most famous sermon. And um, the first part, and the first part of any teaching or sermon is important, right? What kind of sets the tone? Well, the first part of this sermon is Jesus answers the question, how, do you, how to be happy. If I said, hey Jesus, how could I be happy? This would be his response. It would be his answer. And so, obviously, there's a, you can be holy and happy. And that's what we're going to look at. So it's in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at the first 10 verses. Now there's eight of these things. And um, I've done series where I talked on each one for a whole week. But today we're going to do all eight at once. So we're going to kind of run through these. And the reason we're going to do that is we want to try and figure out what's the bottom line? What do these things have in common? What's the common denominator? Because I don't think Jesus said just do one of these and you'll be happy or do this one and be happy. They, they kind of come as a group. These are different things we can do and try and do them all and then you'll be happy. So let's get started here. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now Jesus saw the crowds. Now Jesus was was kind of the most popular thing, that, you know, the latest craze. So everybody's kind of going to visit, listening to him, seeing what he had to say. And so he had this big crowd of people. They weren't all Jesus followers. They were just kind of curiosity seekers. Uh, but in the group were some Jesus followers. And so he's sitting on a hillside, and, he, and, he, and, and he's, he's talking. People can hear him. The crowd can hear him. He sat down when he taught, so I sit down sometimes and I teach. Uh, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So his disciples are there too, his, his little 12 disciples. So he's going to give us eight things, eight ways to be happy. So here it is. Number one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, or happy or fortunate are those who are poor in spirit. Now, he's addressing a, a myth. A myth that ha poor people are sad and rich people are happy. Is that true? 
No, that's not true. In fact, we talked last week, sometimes poor people are happier. The poor in spirit. So it doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have, how rich you are, how poor you are. What's important is that you're poor in spirit. Now, what does poor in spirit mean? Well, I put a definition on your outline. It's people who embrace their dependence on God regardless of what they have. Uh, I've got to be interrupted here. My notes aren't coming up here for some reason. <laughs> uh, so, when you wake up in the morning, do you say, okay, no matter how much I have, how smart I am, how much education I have, what kind of job I have, God, I'm dependent on you for every breath I take, right, for my health. I am dependent on you, regardless of who I'm with or what circumstances I'm in or whatever. <clears throat> so I'm going to have to use my cheat sheet this morning, all right? <laughs> so basically saying we're needy people. Are you a needy person? I'm a needy person. I need lots of things. And God says he promises to supply our need. So each day, every moment of every day, I need to be declared. I am poor. I am a needy person. I need help. I'm a dependent. And most of us have to learn this the hard way because we try and do it on our own sometimes. Some of these others are going to fit into this same category. So uh, the moment you put your trust in riches instead of him who richly provides, you're unhappy. Let me say that again. The moment you put your trust in riches instead of him who richly provides, you're unhappy. Anytime we transfer our trust from us to ourselves, to someone else, to stuff we own, our education, our intelligence, whatever, we're unhappy. Now why? What happens is we're trying to control. If I, I'm trying to control outcome, can you control outcome? You can't control outcome. You can influence outcome, but you can't control outcome. And so anytime it falls back on you, it's too big. And you don't have the power to control. So consequently, you can't be happy. Because you're trying to control what's uncontrollable. You say, it's all up to me. Well, it's not all up to you. But if you think it's all up to you, you cannot be happy. You're going to be <laughs> frustrated. <clears throat> now, it's interesting. People who are literally poor can't do this, can they? They can't trust in their riches and their stuff. It's not even an option for them. But for, for all of us, it's an option. <clears throat> so, he's saying, I need to declare that I'm poor in spirit, that I'm a needy person, and I can be happy. Next one. What's next? Now I don't see the next verse. <laughs> Gotten technical problems back there. Can we get the next verse up? I can read it off my sheet here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, we don't normally associate mourning with happy, do we? So what's he talking about? Well, people who mourn are emotionally connected to other people, right? I don't mourn for somebody I don't know. Now, I might mourn for you, even though I don't know the person you're mourning, but I know you. So people who mourn are emotionally connected. 
We talk all the time that life's about being connected. We said life is better connected. Now the thing is in our society it's kind of strange is that it's not that way all over the world but it is in America. We avoid death. We avoid talking about death. Even when we know people we go to their viewing or we go to their funeral and we just go in and get out and you know, we're just glad it's over. But the only, well, they say two inevitables are death and taxes. But anyway, death is an inevitable, right? Uh, and the greatest fear people have, they say, is what? Second greatest fear is talking in front of people, which is kind of strange. I do it all the time. But, uh, is fear of death. Fear of the unknown, I guess. So why do we avoid what is inevitable? But that's what our culture does. And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. They're not afraid of death. They're not afraid to talk about death. They are emotionally connected to people who die. They accept it as a reality. Um, Next slide, I think, tells us this. Yeah. The fear of dying will rob you of the joy of living. You know, if if you're just afraid of dying, that fear, you, you can't enjoy life. So next one, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is a funny one. (laughs) Anybody make it their big desire in life to be meek? In fact, those of you who have kids, especially you you that have daughters, you say, I want you to go find the meekest guy you can to marry. Anybody ever say that? (laughs) The reason we don't do that is because we equate meekness with weakness. You know, we see him as kind of one of these nerdy type people, right? That's a meek person. (laughs) But it's not true. It's just the opposite. Let me give you a definition of meekness. A proper estimation of one's self-worth within a broader context of God's love. So somebody that's, again, as I said last week, happy in their own skin. They don't need to be the center of attention to be happy. They understand that God created them and they're unique and they're a masterpiece of God's creation. And God loves them and God dies for them and so it's okay. If I'm rich or poor, if, you know, if I have a lot or I don't, when things aren't going so well is when things are going well. And they should go around doing their best. So, Blessed or happy or fortunate are the meek. In fact, if you have a child... Is dating it would be admirable if they found a meek person uh, to connect with. <clears throat> What's the next one? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What do you hunger and thirst after? Now, we all have the natural hunger. In fact, probably some of us are getting hungry right now. And when it's hot, especially, we really are thirsty in their natural part of life. But what do you hunger and thirst out besides that? What do you go to bed thinking about? If you had, could do anything you wanted this afternoon, what would you do? There's that thing that you, you know, hobby or, you know, passion that you have. And Jesus said, you want to really be happy? Hunger and thirst have a passion for God. Righteousness. Righteousness means doing the right thing. So are you passionate about doing the right thing? It says you'll be filled, you'll be satisfied. 
Another way of saying happy are those with no guilt, no regrets, and a clear conscience. You're always doing the right thing. No guilt, no regrets, right? Talked about last week. Sins, doing the wrong thing, sins separate us. Separate us from others, separate us from God, separate us from ourselves. And sin also substitutes. You know, fleeting happiness for true happiness. The present for the future. Does doing wrong make you happy? <laughs> well, I guess we, we think so initially when we do it. We think it's going to make us happy. Think about it this way. If you could go back. Some of you aren't that old. But, you know, go back to, back to high school. Would you make your, your goal to get into more trouble and do more wrong things? I don't think any of us would do that. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know. But I, I, if you could go back. You go back to your 20s with your decision to make, do more wrong things? I don't think so. So blessed are those who, who hunger, desire, they're driven to do the right thing, to do what God would want. Because they will be satisfied. Are you satisfied when you do the wrong things? No, we're not satisfied. We're satisfied by doing the right things. Next one. Blessed are the merciful, <laughs> for they've been shown mercy. I think we're working... No, no notes on this one again. <laughs> Better keep my sheet here. <clears throat> uh, blessed are the merciful. Now, mercy is kind of a, a strange thing because we all like to receive mercy. You're speeding down the highway and you, siren, you hear the siren. And so you pull over. And the policeman, the trooper, whatever comes up to your window. And what are you wanting at that point? You want justice or mercy? You want mercy and you're, ah, I'm just, I'll just give you a warning this time. You go, ah, save me points, save me money, whatever, right? On the other hand, you're driving down the road and somebody goes by at 90 miles an hour and then later on you find them pulled over by the side of the road. What are you thinking? Yeah, you get what you deserve, Right? So we love to receive mercy, but we want justice for everybody else, don't we? And Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. That you want mercy. You are merciful to other people. You want to show mercy to other people. Another way of saying this, and I really like this term, happy are the relationally generous. Now it's great to be financially generous and generous with your time, but relationally generous. That means you don't give people relation. You don't give people what they deserve. Another way to say that, you're a forgiving person. You're a merciful person. You're a gracious person. You ever saw a bitter, happy person? Almost contradictions, aren't they? How do you be bitter and happy? Unforgiving. Unhappy. Resentful. You're unhappy. So Jesus said, Be merciful, you'll receive mercy, you'll be happy. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, and most of you are, if you're not, these principles are are helpful, I believe, anyway. And we're glad you're here. But if you're a Jesus follower, you want to know what the one you're following wants you to do, right? How can you follow if you don't know? We sometimes want to know God's will. Um, 
You want clarity. You want to see clearly, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I not do this? And so Jesus addresses that in the next one. He says, blessed or happy are those who are pure in heart so they'll see God or they'll see clearly God's will, what God wants, what's consequently what's best. And all of us can think back to times in our life when we say, why couldn't I see? Why didn't I know better? You know, when I made that decision that it wasn't going to turn out well. So we, we desire clarity. Now, purity is not a word we hear, especially moral purity in our culture. I mean, it's just the opposite, right? But purity brings clarity. And most of us would like clarity, but we struggle with the purity thing. We all have decisions to make, and most of us want to make the right decision, the best decision. But the problem is sometimes we know the right thing to do, but we think we'll miss out, right? It goes back to what I said at the beginning. I can be holy or I can be happy. Because holy people miss out. Uh, it's interesting. I, um, I've never been drunk before, for example. And you might, some of you might think that's crazy, but uh, never have. I, I don't think I need to be drunk. I don't need to experience drunkenness. I've never smoked pot. I don't feel like I need to smoke, uh, have that experience <laughs> to know better. So you and I don't have to experience everything to know that we don't have to do it, right? I don't think I've missed out on either of those things. So, purity brings clarity. Happy. Next. Got a couple more here. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Why? Because God's a peacemaker. And we're going to spend a whole, whole week on peace with God. So you, you're like God when you're a peacemaker. Are troublemakers happy? In fact, most troublemakers are troublemakers because you're happy and they're not. And they're, it upsets them that you're happy. In fact, Joyce Meyer, some of you might know, she's pretty famous, writes books and uh, Christian speaker, and, and uh, when she first got married, she was unhappy. But her husband was happy. And it just drove her crazy. So she made her goal to make her husband unhappy. And uh, this went on for a while, and she tells a story. And then it goes on for a while, and then finally her husband said to her, I don't care how unhappy you are, I'm, I'm going to be happy. And that began a change in her. Another way to say it is, happy are the reconcilers. Isn't that true? People that help people get along are happy people. <clears throat> now, got one more. And most of these you probably agree with somewhat, right? Even some of them seem a little counterintuitive. This last one really does. And you probably say, ah, no, no, no. That's, you've gone too far, Jesus. Here it is, the last one. <laughs> Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For this is the kingdom of heaven. We don't consider persecution to be happy, do we? What in the world is Jesus talking about? You know, I do the right thing and bad things happen. You know, I tell the truth and I get fired. Or, you know, I studied hard and didn't cheat and, and other people got better grades than I did. Whatever it might be. <clears throat> Here's what I think Jesus is teaching. Everybody suffers, right? We all suffer. Now, if you suffer for doing the wrong thing, is there any benefit to that? No, you're just getting what you deserve, right? 
But Jesus said there's a benefit. You can draw benefit from the fact that you're suffering or persecuted when you don't deserve it. When you desire to do right. Even through suffering, there's benefit. So, well, we covered all eight real quick. So what's the common denominator if you want to be happy? Here's what I think it is. Happiness is an outcome. It's a result. Another way to say that, happiness is not immediately accessible. You can't say, I'm going to be happy at 1230. Uh, if you are, you'll probably be unhappy at 130. You know, it's not one of these things you just can choose and, and, and do it. It's better than that. All right? Because here it is. I think the best way to describe it is this. You sow and you reap your way to happiness. You do these things. You be a meek person. You be a peacemaker. You do these things. See, happiness is elusive. If you try and get it, you, it, you can't get it. But you can, you can sow so you can reap it. And Jesus said, here's how you do it. Be a peacemaker. Be merciful, etc. That's the good news. We can sow so we can reap happiness. Now, Jesus started off with this. He said a lot of interesting things on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to also look at how he ended this sermon, so to speak. The little illustration. So here is verse uh, 724. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Excuse me. <clears throat> so he's saying, you know, hey, I liked what you had to say, Pastor. I agree with what you said today. Um, is there any benefit to that? No. no. There's no benefit. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, does it, practices it, is wise. There's benefit. Like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Because storms come. Suffering comes. On the other hand, there's another option, another choice, another group of people. Anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey, doesn't listen, doesn't do anything with it, is foolish, like a man who builds a house on sand. Now, they both have to work at building the house. It's more work to build it on a rock. But do you get any credit for hearing? Do you get any credit for being in church? Not really. But what you're doing now, you do what you do now because eventually the storms come. You do what you do now because eventually the happiness comes. And so Jesus invites us to follow. Be meek, be merciful, etc. So, the answer to our question, what makes you happy is what? Come on. What makes you happy? No thing. Now we got two answers though. What makes us happy? Sewing. All right? Try and get these so we can remember them. So what makes you happy? No thing. So when I ask you next week, we're going to have two answers. I'll answer no thing first and then sewing second. Hopefully you can join us as we continue with what makes you happy. I'll pray and then we'll have a song and let you folks go. Father God, thank you. We thank you for the wisdom in your word. You know it so well. <laughs> and you're, you're much smarter than we are. And I guess if we were smart enough, we would just believe you and, and, and do the things you say. <clears throat> we would be wise instead of foolish. 
God, we've all been foolish at times. We thank you that you forgive us for that. And that you can even work good out of that. But our desire is to be <coughs> righteous, a hunger and thirst for righteousness, do the right things, and uh, constantly be happy even in the event of persecution. And God, we pray for anybody here that's not a Jesus follower. They would, the day would be the day. They'd see the wisdom in following you and, and the fact that you desire to be connected with us. And we thank you in Jesus' name.